going to make sure that the green button is pushed. Welcome, Edgewood family. <laughs> Jonathan, you're laughing. I'm not sure. Sh- yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for coming. Um, it is a pleasure to be here on this beautiful, sunny day, and we just welcome you. If you're new, we have some Connect cards. They should be in the back, or you can just um, find one of us that I don't have my name tag on. But if you find somebody that... Um, we can give you one. And that way we can know who you are and you can get to know us better as well. There's also the opportunity for those that are online. Thank you for coming. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to join us. If um, you have any questions also about what I'm going to be talking about, please uh, get a hold of us. Um, We're going to give tithes and offerings. We're hopefully going to change soon, but at this point, we have a box up here to give our tithes or online. Either way, it's all good with us. So with that, I have a few things to run through. This Wednesday, we have prayer here at the church at 7 o'clock. It's a great time to um, lay your request before the Lord, but also just to join in family um, and praying for each other. So welcome. If um, Please come. Please come. Uh, This Saturday, the 17th, we are planning. Actually, we've been talking about it. I've been talking about the demo work party. So whichever part of that you want to come for, please come. It's at 8 o'clock, 8 to 2 about. And we need you. We need your tools. We need your muscles. We need your just you. So please come. There's also a piece of that because we're doing a pre-summer work party the people that are doing the work actually that are coming from northwest need to know that we are coming and with that I know that Jonathan um, sent out an email and I'm going to just kind of read a little bit about that so that if you did not get the email please go to our website so that you can register Northwest Church, Federal Way, is the one that is going to be doing the work, the planning, everything. And they need to know how many of us are coming. And so we need to register, myself included, to go, to be a part of that so that they can plan for where they can use us best. So please um, register as soon as you can. We do not, and this is, I'm going to read this, we do not need to pay the $70 registration. It is really just about uh, them knowing what and who is coming. So, and what? And food. (laughs) There's going to be food. And we need to know how many people to feed. So, with that, if you want to be fed, then please register. If you don't want to be fed, well, just come in. No, I'm just kidding. Please register. Just register. Just, just do it. Okay, so I think unless there's anything else as far as um, for coming up, um, last this last weekend, the women's conference at Northwest Federal Way was like the best. It was the best. And so... Um, Friday night, we had Joan Everest speaking about repentance 
And in, in that, we had the opportunity to just to, to just search our hearts. Is there anything in our life, anything that we needed to repent of? And we were able to write it on a piece of paper and put it at the cross. And the next day was about the Holy Spirit and what did he want to be doing through, through us. And what she brought up, and this is the thing that I kind of took away, and everybody takes away different things from this, is... Um, my dreams for my my life and what God you know wants to do, but is that in line with what Jesus his dreams for me are? And sometimes those are very different, and it's just one of those things where I I guess I just want to challenge you, um, ladies and even men, because we all have the same the same God who um, has dreams for us, and so to to actually look and see. Are my dreams aligning with his dreams for me? Um, I know Pastor Jonathan's going to be talking today about the 12 being sent out. And my, even as I was thinking about this, and please know I'm not, I have no idea what he's going to talk about. <laughs> There's no thunder stealing. Um, but, but truly, I mean, if you think about these 12, you think, did they have the same dream that Jesus had for them? And you kind of go, oh, my goodness. So just step back and, and look at your own life and kind of go, is this, is this Jesus' dream for me? Um, but embrace it because there's exciting, there's exciting things coming when we embrace what Jesus has for us. With that, if, ladies, you did not get to have the opportunity to go to the women's conference this last, now, this last Friday and Saturday. Okay, I'm going to put a caveat here. This is not a conference about me. My name is Darlene. This is a darling conference, not a Darlene conference. So I just need to clarify that. Um, and no, I wasn't going to do that, but they said, oh, you have to, because everybody's going to be thinking that. So I just decided I would just go there and clear the air. It is not about me. It is a darling conference held at motion. And, um, if you have questions, if you want to go, it's at the end of this month. It's actually a Thursday night and a Friday, the 29th and 30th. Merrick has the information. So if you want to sign up, if you need childcare, if there's anything, please get a hold of her. She'd be happy to answer any questions. And I think we are good to go. So Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, please welcome him. Wouldn't you all like to go to a conference that was the Darlene conference? No? Darlene doesn't want to go to the Darlene conference. Um, Well, welcome to church. Um, I enjoyed worship this morning. I... I, uh, So many of the songs... and, and. I've seen this over the years. People would ask, as I was the worship pastor at Northwest Church for, for a lot of years, um, there were so many times that the song set was like the sermon in song. Like Pastor Steve Shell would get up there and, and preach the message, and I'm like, I just sang that, and I just sang that, and like, what, what's going on? And, and, so, and it was never planned because I, I never knew ahead of time what Pastor Steve was going to be preaching. Um, 
but people would ask, did you guys plan that out? Did you guys, no, 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 that's just the way the Holy Spirit works it. Likewise, today, there was like three songs in there. I was just like, that's like a main point for me. So I'm, um, so we're, confirmation, we're all, we're all on the same page. Here we go. We're following the Holy Spirit. We are continuing in our study through the book of Mark. And Mark uh, gives us this unique view of Jesus and his ministry and the, the time sensitivity and the urgency that Jesus had on his mission. This is significant to us because we are on mission with Jesus. And so the way in which he went about his mission uh, should affect the way that we are about his mission. We want to do it like he does because we're joining him. And this is our goal as disciples, is to learn from our master. This is who he is, and this is who we are. We're on mission with Jesus. We say this all the time. We're on mission with Jesus to see the lost saved and disciples made. This is our mission. We are not simply believers. Um, We were at Federal Way, Northwest Church Federal Way, last night, um, Joan Everest, the guest speaker at the conference, uh, she brought her husband along, and he was preaching. He's preaching this weekend in Federal Way, and he was comparing believers and disciples. He said, "Believers are those who have repented and have given their life to Christ. A disciple is one who takes up his cross every day and lives his life in that direction. You can be a believer and not a disciple. You can." You can have given your life, you can have, have uh, repented, but a, a disciple is one who daily goes after that and picks up his cross every day. That's what we are. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be disciples and disciple makers. So here we're coming up to Mark 6. Uh, the next section is, is verse 7 through 13. And we're talking about how Jesus sends out the 12 disciples for the first time. Jesus has just come from Nazareth, where he was basically rejected. The people there decided that they they weren't going to believe his claims about who he was. And and so, so he could not, scripture says he could not do any miracles there, except for to lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He could not uh, he could not do the miracles that he was doing everywhere else because they they didn't want him to be that person. They didn't want him to do that. So he leaves Nazareth, and now he's in the surrounding villages. And as he's broadening out into these villages, he needs others who can bring the gospel message as well. And so he calls to himself the Twelve and equips them for this job. So open your Bibles to Mark 6, starting in verse 7. Lord Jesus, we just pray for your blessing on the reading of the scripture today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome to speak to us and, and make things alive to us. Would you, would you convict our hearts where we need it, encourage us where we need it? Come and be who you are. We believe you are who you said you are. So come and do what you said you will do here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7. And he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, 
no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And he added, do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. The apostles gathered together with you. Oh, sorry, I I jumped ahead to verse 30. We're going to read that part later. They were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Yep, ending up in verse 13 there. So Mark, in his typical fashion, has this is a little bit more abbreviated version of this account. Luke talks about this, and Matthew talks about this same account. They have different, different details. Matthew goes to great detail on uh, the, the instructions on how to say what they're going to say and, and um, more details on, on who they should talk to and they're going to the Jews and not the Gentiles and, and all this. But in Mark, he, he captures a specific set of instructions for the disciples in this moment. And there are principles in there intended for us as well. Specifics were for them, but the principles are for all believers and all disciples. So we're going to look at three things today. The title of the message is is authorized because they were authorized to do ministry. He gave them authority. We're going to look at three things today. What are you to carry on mission? How should you conduct yourself on mission? And what is your charge? So first, what are you to carry? The first thing is, it's completely counterintuitive. He's sending them on a journey, on a trip, and then he says, but you can't take anything. Now, when I go on a trip, I don't take nothing. I mean, I guess I could take nothing if I brought a bunch of money to make sure that I could get what I needed when I got where I was going. But he said, don't do that either. Uh, He was telling them to go and then not to provide for themselves into a situation where there was certainty that they were going to need provision. They were going to need stuff, and they knew it, and he, he told them they couldn't, they couldn't bring stuff. No bread, no food, no bag to carry things in, no money, no extra tunic. That's another change of undergarments. And if you're going on a journey... You should bring extra undergarments. Not even extra sandals or, or an extra staff. Matthew, um, again, records some things differently, and, and it says that they should, they should not go get a staff, not go get sandals. He wasn't necessarily saying you can't wear shoes on the journey or you can't take your walking stick. He said don't go get another one. Just take what you have right now on you right now. That's what you're supposed to have. Only that which was absolutely necessary and only the things you already have with you. Don't go acquire more things to take. This was forcing their dependence on Jesus and trust in the one who sent Jesus. Because if God was sending them, if Jesus was sending them and he was who he said he was, then then their needs would be met. 
Their needs would be met. This was kind of the way Jesus lived, right? He didn't have a, a permanent um, home, per se. He had a base of operations in, in Capernaum, but, but traveling and whatnot, he didn't, he didn't have nice things all the time, and, and he didn't carry with him a bunch of provisions. He trusted God. And I bet that drove his money guys nuts, like Judas, because they saw what they had and didn't have, right? But they were not to provide for themselves. Ah, how hard is this to get? They were not to provide for themselves. That doesn't line up with anything that we believe in America, right? You are to, you're to work hard, you're to do this. Now, he's not saying don't work hard. He's not saying be foolish, but he's saying you are not your own source. You are not the one who's going to meet your needs. You've heard the phrase, where God guides, God provides. Yeah, this was the original. They were to take the staff that they already had in their hands, that they were already walking with. They were to take the sandals that were already on their feet. They were to take the clothes on their back. And they were to take the gospel that they already had in them. These guys had been hanging out with Jesus. They'd been seeing him, him minister. They had heard the gospel presentation again and again and again. And now it was their turn to do it. They already had it. They already knew it. They didn't need to go get trained some more. They possessed this already. This kind of reminds me of the Israelites in the desert where every day there was fresh manna on the ground. But they couldn't collect more than today's worth because if they did, it would grow worms and be uh, unsuitable for eating the following day. They had to rely on God again the next day. They couldn't gather more thinking they were providing for themselves and for the future. They had to continually rely on God. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't work the way our brains think it will work. And they were sent in pairs. So they were to carry certain things. They were to have, uh, have the things that were immediately on them and not to get anything more. And they, were to, and they were sent in pairs. Matthew actually tells us how they were paired up and, and how they went. Um, and this is just a practical significance in that you're not to do this alone. You are sent out, Right. But, but uh, you're not to do this alone, and they weren't to do it alone. There was, there was traveling. It's not safe to travel alone, especially in those days, in that time, in that area. They were to remind each other of the words of Jesus. There was accountability to stay the course, to stay about the master's business, and there was the physical help in traveling. So that was what they were told and what it meant to them. What does that mean to us? What are we to carry? The first thing is to know you already have what you need for the task today. You already have what you need to be sent out. You have the gospel. As a believer, as a disciple, somebody who's been hanging out with Jesus, you have on the inside of you and in your heart and in your mind the gospel. You have what you need. You don't need to go get more of the gospel. There's a, there's a Greek concept, a uh, couple of concepts, praxis and poesis. 
I remember hearing about this in, in Bible school. Frank Greer used to talk about this a lot. And um, Praxis is doing something of value in and of itself. You hear praxis used in relation to like uh, on-the-job learning or um, in education, it would be like you going to do something and then writing a report on it. It would be the doing, right? Because the doing actually had good in itself. Praxis is a morally good thing to do. Like if I saw somebody drop some money and I picked it up and I gave it to them, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, it's just the right thing to do. It's the morally good thing to do. It has good in and of itself right now. This is praxis. Poesis is a little bit different. This is action taken with the future in mind. So maybe working on a project that, that does you no good right now, I'm building something, I'm working on something, I'm, I'm studying something. It doesn't do me any good now, but it will. It will in the future. So we have praxis, which is good right now, and poesis, which is for the future. Uh, education is, is more of, usually more of a poesis thing. I'm preparing for the future. I'm preparing for what's coming. But praxis is kind of where the disciples were right now. Jesus was not sending them out so that they could get training with no good in and of itself and just for the future. This was right now. This was the good. This was the right thing. And they were growing in the process. It was immediate benefit. And it was done because it was right. You already have what you need. Here's, here's the deal. When I, when I was asked if I would uh, take on a lead pastor position, my, you guys know this, my immediate answer was no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I want, I, you know, I don't feel prepared. We've got training to do, uh, things like this. And, and the answer was pretty clear. The response to that was, you have, you have what you need. You already have what you need. You don't know what you have, uh, but you have what you need. I, even though I didn't feel ready, I, I would have, in, in my mind, gone for more preparation, more poesis, more preparation for the future, more building towards the future. But it was time for praxis. It was time for doing right now. You already have what you need. I already had what I needed, even though I still don't always feel that way. Um, you have the gospel and you have time with the master. And then just like the disciples, we should not do it by ourselves. We should be in the community of a local church. There should be accountability. There should be encouragement with each other. So that's what we carry. We carry the gospel. Now, how do we conduct ourselves on this? And how should the disciples be conducting themselves? There were a couple things to note about how they were to do this. Um, and the first one was stay in the first place you, you uh, go to. So you come into a town, you come into a village, um, and the receivers of a message, the receivers of a religious uh, leader coming to their town, they were accountable, they, they were responsible to host, right? So somebody comes with a message, somebody comes through preaching, they, somebody in that village would host them, and they would offer their home, offer a spare room, and, um, and that's just, that was the expectation. 
The people receiving were expected to, to host and provide for the disciples as God moved them to do so. If things went well and the message was, was received well, people might be inclined to offer favors. Imagine somebody coming into town and just, you know, miracles start breaking out and, and all this. Uh, some people with, with brains would go, oh, I want to get in on this. Uh, I got, a, I got nicer, a nicer setup for hosting. Maybe I can earn some, you know, maybe I can get in here and maybe they'd like to stay at my place and I'd like to be closer to them and, and that kind of thing. And, and Jesus said, no, no, you stay in the first place that you go. Moving to a nicer home in the same village would be the same as rejecting God's first provision. And it would be, again, relying on your own wits to better your situation. Moving to another house would, uh, because it had fancier arrangements or tastier food, come on, somebody, was not permitted. It would likely cause relational problems in the village, and it would bring things up that would hinder the gospel. So Jesus basically said, no drama. No drama. Just first place, keep it straight, keep it simple. The spread of the gospel is more important than your preferences. And then there's this business of shaking off the dust from their feet. This, this, is, uh, this gesture feels, um, it feels like an angry gesture to me. Uh, the Jews had a custom of doing this after traveling through Gentile territory uh, or even, even coming through Samaria. They would, they would come through a, an area that, wasn't, that didn't observe the same laws that they did. And they would, uh, as a statement uh, of, I'm better than you, basically, uh, they would take off their sandals and shake off any remnant, any dust from, from that place so that they wouldn't contaminate the, their holy land, the place where they lived, where they observed the Torah and, and the Levitical laws. But Jesus was saying that the places which reject the gospel were to be considered unclean in that same way. Because if they're going to reject the message and reject the gospel, then, then they're, they're going to be accountable for that. And you don't, want, you don't want any part of that. You don't want that contaminating you. This, was, this gesture was kind of like the proverbial middle finger to the Gentiles, generally. Not from Jesus, but in, in general, in this culture. It said, we despise you and we think we're so much better than you that we don't even tolerate any of your road grime in our land. That's kind of how it had taken. So when Jesus said this, it was kind of like, whoa, that seems kind of harsh. But the action of shaking the dust off a place was a declaration of judgment against that place. By rejecting the message and the messengers, that place also rejected the sender of those messengers and the authority that they came with. God would not take kindly to his ambassadors being mistreated. There is accountability. Once, once you have heard the message, once you have heard the gospel, you are accountable to God for what you do with that. The hearer is accountable. But here's where this really goes. If, if Jesus said to do that, if Jesus said to, to say, okay, that's not my responsibility anymore, then he was also saying, you can't take it personally when they reject the message. 
because it's not about you. You can't take it personally when it doesn't go the way you thought it did. It should. Because it's not you that's being rejected. It's the message, and it's the one who sent you. God is capable of rectifying any injustice done and correcting any attitude issues, and he will do that, and that's not your job. So, in a sense, this gesture got owned by Jesus, and he said, now, now it means this. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get offended. That's not your job. Don't take it personally. So for us today, in conducting ourselves on mission, so first we're, we're talking about what you carry and what you don't carry. You carry the things you have with you now, and you rely on God for provision. And you conduct yourself by not getting caught up in how this may or may not benefit you. It's not about your comforts or the respect you get from the people you speak to. God will watch out for you, and there will be an ultimate justice. You can trust that. If you are rejected, make sure... I'm going to just make this a whole other discussion point right here. If you are rejected, let's make sure that you're rejected for Christ. Come on, someone, some of you have had this conversation with me. Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace, but I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. I'm going to divide families, and, and people are going to be divided over me, okay? We see a lot of division in our world right now, and most of it is not over Christ. Most of it is over political leanings, opinions, fears, insecurities. This is where our divisions lie. Jesus said that if you're going to be divided, it, it better be about me. We can't make it about anything else. If you are rejected, make sure that it's because of the message of the gospel, not because you were a dork. And sometimes we got, you know, we do that. We're people. And you got to apologize for it and move on. But, but if you are rejected, you're not allowed to take it personally. God is responsible for backing up the gospel. Don't take the dust of their rejection with you. Don't carry that with you. Keep the gospel the main thing. No side drama. Don't make it about you. It's about the gospel. So we carry the things that we have with us. We carry the gospel. We carry his presence. We keep it about the gospel. We don't create drama around it. Now, what is the charge What are we to say? What is the message? What is the gospel? Mark doesn't explicitly say in this passage what it was they were supposed to say. It is implied by their actions. At the end, it says they went out preaching that men should repent. But they had been hanging out with Jesus. They knew what the gospel was. Mark didn't feel like he needed to, to repeat that. The Gospel of Matthew has other details to add. He says in verse uh, 10, verse 7 and 8, uh, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
and then heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Luke says it this way in his account, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. The first thing they were to do The first part of their message was the gospel. What is the gospel? That God has come close and his kingdom is coming. God is here with us now. He loves you and he wants you to turn your heart to him and your life towards him. That's what repent means. Turn turn everything about your life toward him. This is the essence of repent and believe. God is here. He loves me, and I'm going to turn my heart and my life towards him. That's the basics of the gospel. It's important to note what they did not share. They did not share their opinions. They did not share stricter adherence to Jewish traditions. And they did not rail against the Greek culture encroaching or the Roman culture influence. They just stuck to the gospel. God is here. He loves you and he wants you to turn your heart and your life toward him. So they stuck to the gospel. Then the next thing they did was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, cleansing the lepers, all this stuff, or or as the kids like to say, the leopards cleanse the leopards of their spots. Miracles like these were a sign that their message was legit. In Acts, we see this go full scale into into the rest of the world. The gospel was preached accompanied with power. And Jesus did it that way first. And the disciples were modeling that. Healings and deliverances are an expression of God's love and consideration for the people in their condition. It was a sign that the gospel was real and that God is here in power. But he didn't just do something out there to show power. In his love and in his kindness and caring for us, he, he aimed his power for our good. And so his power is shown in in good things for us, our healing, our restoration, our deliverance. So they were to do this. They were not coming with a harsh rebuke or a demand for better compliance. I bet the people had heard those kind of things, being Jews. They just came bringing the simple gospel and the things that they had been watching Jesus do all this time. He knew they could do these things when he sent them because he authorized them to do it. He gave them authority to do it. So what does that mean for us today? Today, the world needs this simple gospel. The gospel has, has in many cases been diluted or sometimes just straight changed. The simple gospel is that God is close and his kingdom is coming and he loves you and he wants you to turn your heart and life towards him. That's the simple gospel. We get all caught up in our political persuasions, our opinions and the way we think it ought to be because we do all have opinions. 
but the world needs the simple gospel. Healings, deliverances, and miracles are still for us today. This is one you got to wrestle with a little bit. Because the gospel is still going out, and because Jesus never changes, the gospel should be accompanied with power. This is the way that it has always happened. The gospel is preached, and there's power to back it up. There's healing. There's the presence of God and the effect that that presence has on us. And because he's loving, that power and that presence affects us in miraculous and good ways. There's deliverance. There's healing. There's restoration. Sometimes I... I wonder, I'm growing and we are growing as a family and, and how, how, do we, how do we facilitate that? And how do you make sure there's things in your life and, and in our life together that doesn't stymie the supernatural? We were just talking earlier this morning about, about how, how do we facilitate, even in our services, how do we facilitate room for the spirit to move and to speak and, and things like this to happen. I feel like we ought to pursue that. We ought to keep pushing into that and not just let it become about our program. The supernatural has always been a part of the gospel presentation. When we're spending time with Jesus and his message is, is carried in our hearts, we can expect that the supernatural will accompany presentation of the gospel. He has given us the authority to do it. This is a huge thing. He gave them authority to do that. At the end of Matthew in the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples just like you were made disciples. So it, it's implied that the disciples had that authority and now the next generation of disciples have that authority and we see that in scripture. And then the next generation of disciples should have that authority because the one who gave it never changed. The one who gave his authority to his disciples has never changed. And so if you're a disciple of Christ, I'm going to go back to the, to the beginning. There's believers and there's disciples. If you're a disciple of Christ, then you have this authority. He's given it to you. If you're taking up your cross, if you're following him, if your life is about him, you have this authority. You have been authorized. So we carry the gospel and nothing else. We allow God to provide for us. We conduct ourselves respectfully. We don't cause drama. We keep it about the gospel and don't let other things get in there and dilute it. We keep the gospel simple and we allow room for the supernatural to accompany the gospel. This was what Jesus sent his disciples out with for this very first trip that they had. I think Luke talks about another time where there's 70 that go out on a, on a second journey. And so this could be something that Jesus did frequently. And this was just the first one. So that's why these gospels wrote it. But 
he's still sending and he sends us and he authorizes us. Seth, can I have you come on up and and play? We're going to bring this down the hill here. So check this out in verse 30 of Mark 6. The 12 come back. And and Mark calls them apostles. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Apostles. That's the first time they were called apostles. So what's the difference? What They were disciples beforehand and now they're apostles. Now, before you get into titles and, and, and church history and all that kind of thing, we're not talking about like, you know, the, the great apostle office, right? There, there are a few Christian leaders today that, that are called apostles. The good ones don't call themselves that, by the way. They were called disciples before and apostles after. The difference is a disciple is a learner, a pupil, one under the tutelage of a master. You might say apprentice. An apostle is not necessarily an upgrade from disciple, but it is different. Apostle is a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. It was a new role. There had been training, there had been time, and and now Jesus gave them the authority and sent them out. He sent them out. They were never intended to just sit at his feet and learn for time in memoriam and forever, just to just to sit and be with him. That wasn't the end goal. They were supposed to go. They were supposed to go. They were supposed to preach. And they were supposed to make others into the disciples that Jesus had made them into. How many of us would like to just learn and study and work on our own life and our own problems and just be with Jesus? Come on. That's where I want to be. Darn it. That's not what we get to do. Our calling, like the 12, is to be trained and to go. To go where the gospel is not heard and where the gospel is not believed. Our job is to bring the message and to make disciples of everyone who will be a disciple, teaching them the same things that we ourselves were taught. We have been authorized to do it. You have been authorized to do it. Jesus has given you the authority. This is what we were singing in the song Champion earlier. When I open up my mouth, I operate in the authority that he's given me. I can speak the gospel with clarity and expect that that the presence of God will back that up with power. That there will be a supernatural presence about the presentation of the gospel. 
today as we hear the word and see what Jesus did with his disciples, our hearts have another choice. We see this again and again. Jesus comes with a word, the gospel is presented, and people have a choice. And you will always have a choice when the word of God is presented. As the word instructs us and corrects us, we always will have this choice in how we respond. Have you felt like you weren't equipped to share? And that you don't have what you need? I have. Have you made yourself the sole provider and source? Oh, man. Have you gotten caught up in the drama that is everything else besides the gospel and let some of that become the main thing? Have you diluted the gospel with opinions and politics and traditions? Have you taken it personally when the gospel wasn't accepted? Have you set aside the supernatural workings that scripture says should accompany the gospel and those who believe? I bet you got some things to repent of right now. Because I know I do. Can we just take a second in our hearts with the Lord? Respond to the word. Respond to, the, to what he's telling us right now. The Holy Spirit has been convicting and speaking to you and, and the word of God is useful for encouragement and, and teaching and correction and instruction. And so that's what we do right now. We just respond in this relationship with him. We, we just respond and allow him to move. Allow him to speak to our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for the example set for us in Mark 6. We thank you for the way that you authorized and sent to your disciples. And as we hear the word today, our hearts are convicted within us and we need to repent of some wrong thinking. So Jesus, we ask for forgiveness for thinking we aren't equipped to share the good news. Your word says we are. We ask for forgiveness for being independent and setting things up so that we only rely on ourselves for provision. We repent of getting caught up in lesser things instead of staying caught up in the gospel. We repent of diluting the gospel with our opinions and our politics. We ask for forgiveness for being lazy and comfortable, willing to sit in church and receive freely but never give freely. We ask for forgiveness for being offended when our presentation of the gospel wasn't accepted. And we repent of not believing for the healings and deliverances and the miracles that you would want to do through us 
Jesus, we repent. We reorient our lives and our hearts back around you and in new ways and in new areas of our heart as you bring them to light. We respond to you. We're your disciples. And you're teaching us. We believe you again today. Fill us with faith. Let us come back to the together with stories of the things you have done through us. Lord, we yearn to see your power move in our lives and the lives of people around us. Teach us, grow us. We believe you, Lord. We believe you. And our hearts belong to you. Would you just say that with your mouth? I believe you. I believe you, Lord. Jesus has authorized you to go. He has given you the power to go. As you go today, may you be filled with fresh faith to see yourself the way that Jesus sees you, as a sent one, an apostle, not only a disciple, but an apostle. May you be full of the Holy Spirit as you continue to pursue him and to bring good news of the gospel to the people around you. Amen. Amen.